Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adults Podcast. I am Lynn Pryor, and with me is my co-host, Chris Johnson. Chris, you doing okay today? I'm great, man. Good to see, good to see you. Glad to be with you today. Yeah, Chris, always glad to be with you. And joining Chris and I is Ken Brady. Ken Brady is the manager of the ongoing Sunday School uh, ongoing uh, groups area. Uh, Ken, glad you have taken the time to be with us again this week. Lynn, I appreciate the invitation. And hey, Chris, how's it going? Good, Ken. Yes, let me just tell you, if you do not follow Ken Brady's blog, you need to. It's real simple to follow Ken Brady's blog because it's kenbrady.com. I'm talking primarily to us who are teachers. It's just a great resource. They are short, quick reads of blogs. Ken, I hope hope you don't mind me saying this. It almost has a soundbite feel to it, but I can go in there and I can just grab a nugget that helps me to improve and be a better teacher. So thank you for doing that. So I do encourage everyone check out kenbrady.com. I am happy to do that, Lynn. And you know, when you come swing by the blog, uh, there are two D's in my last name. It's like Brady with an extra D in it. So Ken B-R-A-D-D-Y.com will get you to the right spot. It's free to follow. I don't make any money on the site. Uh, I do have, I do have, you know, uh, links over to Amazon and some, helpful books and things that, uh, that I think you'll find uh, useful in your teaching ministry, but I just do that for your convenience. So it's, just a, it's, a, labor, it's a labor of love uh, that I do for, uh, for group leaders everywhere as they you know, try to lead those groups and uh, influence people for Christ. Well, thank you for doing that, Ken, and thank you for being with us today. We are continuing uh, our study on living with hope in a broken world uh, in Bible studies for life. We are looking together today at um, a passage out of First Peter chapter three. All of our uh, lesson sessions are coming out of First Peter, so it's not a study of First Peter, but it's but it uses uh, passages out of First Peter. And uh, so today we're talking about the endurance of our hope. So I'm wondering, guys, uh, any any experiences in your life that you where you needed endurance to uh, reach a goal or to finish a task. You mean like working with you every day, Chris? Every day. <laughs> how am I going to make it? I know. I know how you feel. No, no, I was just kidding. But it is interesting. Uh, earlier, I was eating lunch today. I, I, I tend to do that every day. But I was watching a documentary about blackout, black ops, and one of the guys on there was a Navy SEAL. They were interviewing and talking about endurance. He said he would as he was going through the training, 85% of those who are Navy, who go into the Navy SEAL training, 85% of them don't make it, only 15%. And when if they graduate as a Navy SEAL, they get a special pin that goes on their uniforms. And this man said, I was determined I was either going to go home with a Navy SEAL on my, on my lapel, or I was going to go home in a body bag. I mean, if they, and then they showed the things these guys go through. Now, here was a man who was willing to endure anything simply for a, 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 just to be a Navy SEAL. Now, if I can do this to segue into our Bible study, uh, we're not talking about endurance like a military uh, a soldier would. We're talking about that endurance that we have in Christ. And I, I, let me just stress that as we go into this Bible study, as you talk in your group, that word endurance is a key part of this. It's the endurance of our hope. And that we can endure suffering. Why? We have a hope in Christ. That's great. 
Now, we are, as Chris said, we are going to be in 1 Peter 3. We're just going to kind of pick up in verse 8 as, as we look at this. And if I can, let me just read uh, just the first verse 8 there. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, give a blessing. Since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. There is a call for us to endure. The beginning of that uh, verse, verse 8, reminds me of a lot of Paul's summaries. So uh, there's some consistency in, in language. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be humble, don't pay back evil for evil. Uh, so Paul writes that in a lot of his letters, and, and it's interesting to me to see that this is this is thematic, and this is just the approach that the uh, the New Testament writers had that encouraged us. And I, I think it's there because we really need to be reminded of these things. You know, as I was thinking about these verses uh, right here in, in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, this this idea of not paying back evil for evil and giving a blessing instead, you know, I thought, you know, when I first read this again, you know, that's really difficult to do sometimes, you know, because our first instinct is to fight or to defend uh, or to go on the attack against people. Uh, but this is really the mark of a of a mature or a maturing disciple. And then I wondered, I, I just, I wonder if Peter, when he wrote this, was inspired to write this by the Holy Spirit as, as he was thinking back on Jesus and his last few moments on the cross, you know, where uh, Jesus was hanging literally between earth and heaven and, uh, and had been beaten and, uh, and was about to, you know, experience a physical death, and instead of you know paying back that evil, uh, he he blessed the people that were there persecuting him and asked his heavenly Father to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. So rather than calling down a legion of angels and scorching the earth, you know Jesus went the other direction. And uh, boy, this is really humbling to read and very challenging for me because I think my first instinct. You know, if someone does me wrong, you know, my first instinct is I want to, hey, you know, I want to go Old Testament and, you know, repay, you know, uh, you know, hit for hit and blow for blow. And uh, and that's not what we're called to do as believers. That's right. And just this picture of us as we endure in, in the midst of suffering, we don't, as you said, Kim, we don't treat people like they want to treat us or we don't treat them like they treated us. And Michael Catt identified here, and of course, he's just pulling us straight out of the passage we've just looked at, six ways that we are to walk the walk. That idea that uh, as we endure, we, we, we're not like the world. Instead, we show unity. We show mutual concern. We show love, compassion, humility, and even forgiveness. Yeah, and I like what he said, Lynn, under that number six one right there, under the forgiveness aspect of it. He makes this statement, life is just too short to maintain a white knuckle grip on offensive offenses that have been done to us. And how many people out there uh, are still today, you know, white knuckling and hanging on to an offense that was done to them by a parent years ago or someone in high school, a high school rival, or perhaps maybe even just a, a month or two ago by a boss or a coworker. Life is just too short. It was a good reminder. I don't need to spend my time, being upset with people, 
I just need to forgive, bless them, and just move on. It does me no good, and it doesn't do my my body and my mind any good right. uh, to to hang on to these things. Just let it go. That's right. So in in chapter two, uh, Peter said to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that they uh, will observe your good works. And again, we have that idea in verse thirteen. Who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. So is that, is that always coming back around to do what is right, do what is good. You receive a blessing uh, when you do that. Even, even when threat or harm comes your way as a part of it, still do the right thing. Yes. And our author, Chris, reminds us right here in that same section of Scripture, he says, we may experience times of unjust suffering because we stood up for what is right. And uh, when I read that, that, that reminded me, I kind of had this little mental flashback. Uh, several years ago, I was teaching a group, uh, a Bible study group in Bible Studies for Life at a, a church that my wife and I uh, were members of previously. And we, there was a guy in our group named Phil. And Phil's company had been bought out by a different company and the new parent company came in, and as a manager, that's what his position was, uh, he supervised people. And this new company came in and told him, we need you to go into the personnel files, and as you give reviews to people, we really need to give low reviews because we're going to be getting rid of them as a wow. cost-saving measure. And Phil struggled with that and, and told his, his new bosses, I, I cannot do this. This is not right. These people are performing at a high level. They're good employees, very dedicated. And so he stood up uh, respectfully to his new bosses and came in one day and found out that he had been let go. They told him his services were no longer needed and they wow. fired him. And he went with all, he went almost a year and a half without a job. And, uh, and our Sunday school class uh, banded together several times to pay electric bills or a mortgage or Christmas uh, as we watched him suffer for doing what was right. Two men in my life, uh, one in my home church and one um, in the first church where I served as a student pastor uh, were put in situations where they were asked or required by their employer uh, to entertain uh, clients. And by that, that meant, uh, take them to bars, take them to strip clubs. And both of these men said they couldn't do it. They were, they refused to do it. That would, that was, that did not go along with their values and it cost both of these guys their jobs. But, uh, they both, um, uh, endured, uh, that difficulty came out on the other side. Um, they, they were committed to, they were devoted to doing what was good and what was right and 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 were vindicated ultimately but that didn't mean there weren't hard times as a part of the process no i think life today and obviously life in the uh the first century that we're reading about here in uh, in this passage of uh, first peter it just reminds us that that god's people are going to suffer for living righteously and trying to do you know his will it's just a part of life in this world and so I'm sure that those people that you've just cited, Chris, were very thankful, ultimately, that they did not succumb, that they did what was right, 
and no doubt saw God bless them for taking the right stand uh, down the road. So uh, it's, it's not easy to live this way, but it's sure the right thing to do. And it's the, it's the biblical mandate and the call for every believer. When you look then at verse 15, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy and ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you that is in you. And as you both told these stories, and, and Ken, I think about this gentleman, Phil, there's a sense where you could see in his life that he has set apart Christ as Lord and as holy, as set apart. And that came out in his, his response to those managers. Uh, Absolutely. One of the most dedicated men, uh, dedicated you know, himself to Christ, and that I've, I've come across. And I really respect Phil for what he did. Certainly not an easy thing to come home and tell his wife that he had been terminated. Certainly not easy to plow through every dime of savings that they had. But you're right. That's, that's why he was able to do it. And as a couple, they faced the consequences because they had both and his wife, you know, set aside Christ as Lord and, uh, and to follow him, uh, you know, uh, to disobey him was not even an option, not even a thought for Phil. There's a good question in our, in our material uh, discussion question. I'd love to talk about with a group. Uh, it's question four. How can our lives demonstrate to others that Christ is Lord? Now, Ken, again, you've given us an example, someone who lived that out. There is a demonstration but for the rest of us, how would that look? How can our lives demonstrate to others that Christ is Lord? That's a good question to ponder. So I love the follow-up to the, the passage, verse 15, about give, being always being ready to give a defense of your faith. And then the idea of apologetics comes out of that verse. Mm. We might want to talk about that in a minute. But then again, there, here's this, there's this follow-up. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you're accused – those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will than for doing evil, <laughs> it's powerful stuff, man. It is. It is. And so you see there really that when we're faithful to Christ, when we're faithful in suffering, it's, it's an opportunity to point the hope, point others to the hope we have in Christ. That's great. That's good stuff. All right. So thanks for taking a moment with us. One of the things we're aware of is we have a wide uh, range of listeners, but one of the groups that listens to this, this podcast are people who lead Bible studies. So we're committed to providing uh, you at the end of each podcast, uh, some teaching tips that might help you with teaching. And so we have another one of those for you now, but well, and this comes in the form of a resource that Ken has developed. Ken, tell us about uh, this resource. Yeah, we have, or I uh, created a, uh, a book last year that came out called Breathing Life into Sunday School, and its uh, subtitle is uh, 12 Essentials for Breathing Life, Reviving Your Most Important Ministry. And I really do think Sunday School, or whatever you call the Bible study ministry there at your church, uh, is really the most important thing that you do. And uh, and so uh, 12 different essentials that every church, no matter what the size, no matter what the income uh, level, uh, can do. And most of the things in the book, they don't cost anything. It should be just common sense things that sometimes we've forgotten to do. 
And so this is just a, a reminder. The whole book is a reminder about lifting up Sunday school and, uh, and making it the main thing that your church does. You know, outside of the worship service, uh, it has more people involved in it than any other ministries of the church combined. And so I'm really thankful that, um, that it's been well-received and folks have found some encouragement. So, yeah, Breathing Life into Sunday School. If you buy them in bundles at lifeway.com, uh, you can get these things, these, this book, for just $5 a piece. It's a, it's a whale of a deal off of the, uh, the normal retail. So if you've got 10 or more people that you could put together to read it, teachers or staff or whatnot, it's a great value at 5 bucks a, a book. And Ken, I'm going to just interject this at this point. Some people think the idea of Sunday school is it was good in its day, but it's kind of outmoded and it's, um, it, it's just old fashioned. It's obsolete. There's better ways to do it. But I would disagree with that because by the principles you, you give us in this book, when Sunday school is done well, it is powerfully effective. That's what I've seen in every church I have served, Lynn. We've, we've worked hard to do, do the basics well, and I've seen Sunday school grow in all three churches that I have served. And I am convinced, just like you are, that if you give it time and attention, if you focus on the basics, uh, it will do well. You know, my yard uh, out here is a little brown right now, and I know as we come come into later part of the year, uh, as things begin to green up, uh, you know, you've heard that phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's not necessarily true. It's literally, it's greener wherever you water it. <laughs> and and, and the, the thing about most Sunday schools is that we have just quit watering Sunday school and giving it the time, attention, the finances, the resources, the love that it needs, because when it gets that, it greens up and the church does really well. So, Yes, I completely agree. Sunday school is not dead. It is far from it. As you know, Bible Studies for Life is a resource for uh, small groups and for Sunday school. And so we want to thank you for uh, participating by listening to this podcast. Uh, we pray that God will bless you as you continue to dive deeper into his word and uh, hope for those of you who are leaders that you'll have the opportunity to share some things that will help people to do the right thing to do what is right and good and kind. It's always the right thing to do. 